Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, spirituality, wealth, and self-development. Join me in exploring paths to health sovereignty, freedom, and ultimate well-being with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the revolution. Hello, beautiful ones. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Today's episode is such a powerful one. We're talking about exploring a life without alcohol. And this is so wild for some of us to imagine, like a life without my nightly glass of wine, a girl's night without drinks, a weekend with nothing alcoholic whatsoever. Yeah, that is what we're talking about today. And the reason we're talking about it goes way, way deeper than you may think. So Carolina of Euphoric as F, so AF, joins me to talk about getting sober curious for more joy, success, and wealth. In this episode, we discuss what is considered normal drinking, what tends to be the biggest influencer in how much we drink, and how do we change that, how to take a break from alcohol, how do we break away from the habit of drinking, what is the best way to tell your loved one you're taking a break from alcohol, and how long does it actually take for your body to rebalance after consuming alcohol. Before we dive in, I want to share my latest collaboration, which I am so honored to be part of, the upcoming Parenting Bundle that is coming out on May 10th. This bundle is a collection of 90 plus ebooks, courses, and guides priced at only $50. And if bought separately, Everything in the bundle would cost over $5,000 in total, which makes the offer an incredible 99% discount. Some of the topics covered in this bundle include holistic pregnancies with healing herbs, meditation, breath work, empowered births, nutrition, gut health, and healthy recipes for babies, kids, and new mamas, medicinal herbs, tea blends, salves, and tinctures for kids-safe remedies, strength and conditioning training to prepare mamas for childbirth, postpartum recovery with safe and effective training plans, fertility optimization and hormone balancing for increased fertility, holistic postpartum practices for boosting your mood and energy levels, fun activities for kids with guides and supply lists for each activity, conscious parenting and how to raise securely attached children, inner child healing, how to identify and handle emotional triggers, night weaning, natural diapering, recipe swaps for your kids' favorite snacks, herbalism, homeopathy, holistic care for the whole family, and more. You guys, this bundle is literally my dream come true. I feel like I manifested this for all of you because I have been looking and searching for something like this. As many of you know, Drew and I are engaged. We're getting married in August. We're planning on starting a family, and these are all the things that have been on my mind and my heart. 
So I am telling you firsthand, I've gotten to peek at all of the content, all of the incredible offerings. Holy moly, like there is nothing out there like this. You can find the link to grab it below. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Dora Van Camp and you will be kept up to date on everything regarding the bundle. Sign up for my newsletter at the link and you will get all of the details as well. Again, the link will be below. So grab it now before it's gone. All right, my loves, I know you're going to love this episode. It is so good. So without further ado, on to the show. Hi, Carolina. How are you today? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to be talking about something that is so powerful and something that I've really been exploring for a while now. So I'm so excited to dive in. I'd love to begin by talking a little bit about your personal journey to this place of working with this specific topic of alcohol and drinking. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Dora, for even bringing this topic to your show because alcohol in our society can often be treated in a really black and white way, right? White meaning, oh, it's innocent. It's what we do to socialize. Everybody does it. It's so normal. And then black of, oh my gosh, you drink way too much. You need to go get that taken care of. I think you're an alcoholic, right? And there's like kind of not a gray area where we can kind of be just really honest and really vulnerable about kind of our personal experiences with alcohol, whether they fit in either camp or in that kind of gray area that we don't really talk about enough in as a society. So that's kind of where I found myself, Dora. You know, when I started drinking, I was in college, like everybody else. I used it as a way to, you know, feel more popular, go to parties, uh, feel more confident. I was really shy and introverted as a kid. And I definitely overdid it like no other in college. I had a very party lifestyle. I drank way too much then. And I also used it to cope with lots of emotions, my heart, my heartbreaks, you know, all the stuff that goes around that age group. Um, I didn't learn how to drink in a healthy way whatsoever. And I think most adults don't, and especially America, UK, Australia. But as I grew up, something started happening with my relationship with alcohol. I started to like kind of put down the party hat and just kind of grow up. You know, I started to get really into health and wellness and mindfulness as I was growing my career and getting married and all this stuff. And so alcohol, what happened was all these habits I had learned in college kind of got packed up into the weekend. So Monday through Thursday, I lived a quite healthy lifestyle. I would drink green juices. I would go to yoga classes. I would meditate and then every weekend, every single freaking weekend, alcohol was there like clockwork. And you know, it was pretty typical stuff. It was your game night with your friends or your sushi dinner with your husband, or even some Netflix at home with some wine. But no matter what, on Monday mornings, I woke up feeling horrible. I felt not only physically off, exhausted, groggy, but I also felt emotionally really low. I felt like I had taken two steps forward with my healthy lifestyle during the week and then five steps backward over the weekend. And I would wake up really early in the middle of the night and just, you know, ruminate and be feel ashamed and just really lament everything. Now, I had literally lived in that pattern for years, years and years and years of this kind of like carousel every single week. This was my life. And I had kind of yearned for just some space away from alcohol for a really long time. 
you know, I just wanted to get away from it. But every time I thought about like, well, maybe I should not drink this week. I look at my social calendar and there was, you know, your wedding or your dinner party or whatever excuse that I had. And I also had this really strong belief that if I were to stop drinking or take a break from alcohol, then all of a sudden I had to burn my scarlet A on my chest. I had to start going to these meetings. Like I just had this idea that like I would have to tell everybody I had a problem and kind of carry this condition for the rest of my life. And that didn't really sit well with me as this like stubborn independent woman either. And so I kind of just was trying to make it work for years, trying to moderate, trying to drink less, trying to make rules. And to tell you the truth, I did drink less. Technically, I drank less every year, you know, than the year before, but that was not changing anything. It was not making me feel any happier whatsoever. Finally, in 2018, dry January kind of hits my consciousness. And to me, it's like this permission that I was always looking for. It's like, oh my God, I'm a, I can just take a break from alcohol. I don't have to explain it to anyone. I don't have to go around telling everyone I have a problem. I can just take a break and call it dry January. And that for me was such an eye-opening moment to like give myself permission to try life without alcohol because once I did that, I fell in love. I fell in love with how good I felt every day. I fell in love with how deep my sleep was becoming. I fell in love with how much pride I felt in the morning instead of shame, you know. I fell in love with just kind of more mundane moments. I, I found myself a little bit more connected with nature and my partner and my niece. And then come January... I love this experience, but I don't really believe I'm allowed to keep going. You know, it's just like this rule has been imprinted in my brain that a normal adult drinks. And so if I want to be a normal adult, I have to drink. So I drink a few times in February that year and I just hate it. Like the contrast is so rich. Just a drink or two completely ruins my sleep. And I noticed that in January, I have this really elevated mood and all of a sudden I have a few drinks in February and I get cranky and frustrated and even start picking little fights with my husband. And that's the moment for me where like the illusion of alcohol is this fun, relaxing, great thing completely pops for me. And I'm like, you know what? This kind of sucks. So I decided to take another break at that point. And basically I've been alcohol free ever since, you know, five years later. And what ended up happening was that literally as every week and month went by, I started becoming so much more in tune with my body, my soul, and my mind and really elevating what I wanted most out of life. I kind of removing alcohol gave me space to recognize why was I even drinking in the first place? Like, yes, it was so social, but at the same time, if I looked a little deeper, I was like this TGIF person, you know, like the week couldn't go by fast enough. I couldn't wait for that weekend to unwind with some alcohol. And I didn't realize how unfulfilled I was with my week. And that was really largely due to my career and the way I was living my lifestyle at that point. I didn't think that I had it in me to do the things I really wanted to do on this planet, like be an entrepreneur or write a book. And I just kind of settled in this kind of like ho-hum kind of malaise that I was in. And I think it was ditching alcohol that really gave me the confidence to say, well, why not me? Why not me could launch a business? Like if I could not drink for a hundred days, something I never thought I could do before, why couldn't I do the things I have on my heart? And that's why I'm really, really so passionate about sharing this message, because to me, it's not really about a beverage per se. It's more so like, is alcohol possibly holding us back from our bigger dreams? Is it making us happy? It's this really cool reevaluation that I love to do with women about really finding what we care about most in life and then seeing how alcohol really aligns or doesn't align with that. Wow. That's incredible. And I definitely can relate personally. I didn't learn how to drink in a healthy, quote unquote, healthy way, if there is such a thing 
And we learn by modeling, right? A lot of it is learning what we see adults do. And especially in the United States and the drinking age being 21, so many of us are hiding this habit, which feels very taboo. And then, like you said, we go to college and we go crazy. And I definitely did. I was blacking out in college. I was doing just the most. And a big part of that was because A, I didn't know my limits or any kind of structure around alcohol. And B, it was just such a normal thing to do, right? And I think we're really learning, especially as we are gaining more information in all aspects of life because of this information age, that actually just because something is normal doesn't mean that it's a good thing and that it's a good thing for us personally. So I want to ask you, why is it that it feels like we need permission not to drink? Yeah. You know, I think like what you're getting at is so key. It is such a norm. It is literally a cultural institution. If it's 5 p.m. anywhere, you know, especially like in Western countries, you better bet alcohol will be involved, right? I can't even go to a baby shower now without alcohol being there. And it's actually gotten a lot worse in the last 20 to 25 years. A lot of, uh, you know, consumption levels have gone up. You know, if you think about it, uh, movie theaters used to not serve alcohol, like breweries used to not be on every street corner, eat mommy juice, that whole idea that like moms need so much wine and they're drinking every time they meet up. Back in the 80s, like people would have looked at that a little funny, like, you know, like, oh, that she's bringing alcohol to a soccer game. I don't know about that. And today that's actually really normalized, right? Back in the 80s, actually more people drink soda with dinner than wine with dinner. So there's this huge shift to the other way where we're now over consuming alcohol in the last 30 so years than we ever have before. Um, you know, we have more disposable income, just more convenience. And again, it's just so normalized. And it's not this like healthy consumption either, right? Most people, when they drink, over drink. We have consumption statistics that show us that most people are over drinking. Now, I'm not saying 100% of people, but most, right? So like you're saying, the norm, what we're seeing is over drinking. And then in our brain, we, we must have, we, we can either say, well, that must not be so bad for us. Otherwise, why would everyone do it, right? And then I think the permission aspect comes from it too, because the only excuse you have to not be part of this norm, which by, if you think about it, is how we kind of belong with each other. It's how we accept each other. It's almost as if like, if I'm not going to do this, will they kick me out of the tribe? You know what I mean? Like it's this a huge institution. When you also decide not to drink, like the only historical reasons we've had for that in the past is either, okay, you're pregnant. Or you have such a horrible, massive problem, you must have been drinking in the morning or something like that. Now, nobody wants to have just those things thrown at them, right, without having an ability to explain or just be able to share what they're doing. I believe that anyone is allowed to reevaluate whether alcohol is serving them in their lifestyle or not, whether it's helping them feel happier, helping them align with their deeper values, or helping them achieve their dreams. And I don't really care if you drink 10 drinks a day or one drink a week. If like the questions to those or the answers to those questions are not completely where you want them to be, you have permission to look into it. Doesn't mean that someone has to quit drinking forever or swear off alcohol ever again, but I think it starts with a curiosity and an experimentation to just, what if I like my life better without alcohol? What if I've never even allowed myself to try that because of all this kind of conditioning I've gotten around the norms and just what we do as humans and such? which is, I think, just such a great place to be at. 
to give yourself that permission to try something a different way. Because if you think about it, like me, I had started drinking as a 17 year old and I hadn't gone more than a week or two without alcohol for decade. Right. I didn't know what my natural body state felt like. I didn't know what my natural hormone level felt like, or my neurotransmitters. And all these things are so affected by alcohol that when you take a break and rebalance your body, you might notice like, wow, I'm a much happier person. I'm a much more optimistic person. I feel better energetically. I sleep better. So to me, it's just like this gift that I I would love to give anyone to just try. Mm, Yes. And you're touching on something that is big, especially on this podcast, which so much of it has to do with overall well-being and holistic well-being. So what is the impact of alcohol? Because again, it's something so normalized to even have a glass of wine with dinner every single day. And there's even studies that show a glass of wine is good for you and it's anti-aging, but is this true or is this maybe a marketing gimmick, right? What are the impacts of having alcohol? It's such a good question. And I think we've gotten so much more clarity over the last decade about really comprehensive studies, ones that were not funded by the alcohol industry. <laughs> um, but yeah, alcohol essentially is ethanol. Ethanol is toxic to human beings. It's the same thing that's in our car fuel. It's in like rocket fuel paint, you know, a hand sanitizer. It is meant to kill living organisms. And, you know, the way that we drink in alcohol beverages has now been deemed by the top health institutions as unsafe for humans. There's no longer any safe limit of alcohol. It's all considered unsafe. And we just should all have that information if we want to, you know, engage with it or not. Um, Alcohol is something that the body has to detox, right? It's this toxin that comes in and it overtaxes our body to be able to detox it. It changes our neurochemical levels in our brain. And so that when it releases this sense, this heightened sense of dopamine in our brain, you know, that pleasure that people get or that buzz, uh, it's very artificial, just like cocaine or heroin would do for the brain. And what ends up happening over time is that the brain stops releasing as much dopamine naturally, and the receptors actually start to retreat in the brain. So someone who's regularly drinking actually can experience less joy through other activities because alcohol is not present. Now, I'm not talking about a heavy, heavy drinker. I'm just talking about regular drinking here. Alcohol also releases stress hormones in our body. So to counteract some of that depressive nature of it, it releases cortisol and adrenaline and something called dynorphin, which is kind of like the opposite of endorphins and makes us feel really low and depressed. And this happens again after every time we drink. So that next day feeling of a little bit more anxiety, a little bit lower, I thought it was just me. You know, I thought it was like, what's wrong with me here? It was alcohol. It was like alcohol screwing with all the chemicals in my brain. So it makes us mentally like more stressed, like less happy. It uh, overtaxes our whole body. So when it has to detox it, like it heightens our heart rate, it increases our blood pressure. And there's even a correlation that it leads to a lot more inflammation and can have a lot more to do with cholesterol levels than we ever thought. When I stopped drinking, my cholesterol levels went down by 50 points. Wow. That is insane, right? Uh, and the average study will show that just five weeks off will lower participants by 20 points. So there's just so much going on. You know, the, the World um, Heart Federation has said that, you know, no amount of alcohol is good for the heart. And that a lot of that has been based on kind of misdone studies that were not like classifying apples to oranges correctly and that it just overtaxes the heart. It can lead even two drinks a week, they say can lead to a 15% increase in breast cancer for women. Now, I'm sorry, but if I drink two drinks a week, I would have thought I was the healthiest person around. You know what I mean? Like that is insane how such such low levels can have that level of correlation. 
Uh, it leads to like brain cell death and dementia in the brain. So it just has a lot more serious effects than we've ever been taught, you know? And I think what's really cool right now is it's it's in a way having this kind of a cigarette moment where, you know, and we were we were trained or almost like schooled to use this thing for so long. And now a real big light is being shine, shined on it. And we're really truly seeing the effects for what they are. And I think a lot of people are questioning now their, you know, alcohol use. And I don't, I'm not saying that everyone's going to quit drinking and this is some kind of prohibition, but I think it's over the next few decades going to stop being such a norm where people have just more choice to it, where yes, you can choose to drink, you can choose to not drink, but it's not the expectation anymore. Cause I think that that's wrong where I've talked to so many people don't even feel like they really have a choice in the matter without getting 21 questions back at them about why they're not drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's much, much more. And if anyone's curious about learning a little bit more about the health effects of alcohol, I talk a lot about it in my book, euphoric, um, but it's so eye opening. And I didn't know any of this. And I was mm-hmm. quite as like, follower of all health guidelines and all that stuff, but I didn't know any of this before. So it's just really illuminating. It's really scary if you think about it, right? Like we have parents or loved ones who drink very regularly and it's not in any way looked at as, oh, this person might have some sort of challenge stopping. It's just become such a normal part of their lives. And just like any other habit, it can be challenging or scary to let that go. And it's interesting when you talk about the health effects. I know for me, I stopped drinking a good amount of time ago. I would say once in a while, I do have a drink. I have like some champagne, but I notice even with a glass of champagne, my heart rate is crazy. And I'll wake up really, really early because my heart is pounding and I have anxiety when it comes to that. And I am a cortisol, right? That just got out in your body. (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly. And it's really interesting because I mean, I would say I'm a pretty sensitive person. I also have, uh, you know, I'm I'm more sensitive to food and fragrances and that comes with being a little bit healthier too. You become more aware, you become more sensitive to things that don't feel aligned with your body. But I think it's really interesting when you talk about how alcohol actually has an impact on the cholesterol in your body, right? Because we are trained, especially because of kind of our Western medical system to really isolate symptoms. But when you think about alcohol and the impact on your body, your body is a holistic ecosystem, right? So not only is it affecting one or two things, it's always affecting the whole system. And this is why it can create gut issues. It can contribute to dementia. It can contribute to anxiety. All of these symptoms that we have is just because of this, I I would say like personally poison, right? This toxin that we're putting in our bodies. And it's interesting. So I've had a lot of lives in my life. And one of my lives was being a bottle service girl. So I worked in the nightclubs for a, a while and in San Francisco. And it was super interesting, actually, just I didn't drink when I was working. My A lot of my coworkers did. That was part of the culture there. And maybe it helped them stay awake. I know for me, by like 2 a.m., I was crashing and I wanted to go home and sleep so bad. But it was fascinating having people come in and be sober and talking to them and, and connecting with them 
you know, you're working with these like tables and taking their order. And then by the middle of the night and towards the end of the night, they're, they were so drunk and so impaired and, and a lot of times they would be throwing up. Right. And it was really interesting to kind of see that from a perspective on the outside, literally when you're throwing up from drinking, your body is literally trying to get out what you've put into it because it's so toxic. Like your body is literally expelling the alcohol because it knows that it, it can't hold it anymore. Like it's literally poisoning your body. That's why your body is throwing up. And so it's just a fascinating thing how having people come in every weekend to do the same thing and just knowing how our bodies are really not meant to have that kind of substance in our bodies and also just the impact how you really become not you, you really become another version of you or maybe not as great a version as you of you as you could could be is and that's kind of what I hear you saying is actually, what if you weren't doing that? What if you were choosing to put your energy into something else? What if you were actually putting some love into your body instead, and looking at other ways to nourish your body instead of toxifying your body. Yeah. And, you know, to your point of the experience you had watching those people, like essentially we're sold that that is what fun is. We like, you're telling our youth and the marketing industry is marketing this like, Hey, why don't you drink this car fuel to the point where you're throwing up this poison? And that is a Friday. That's Friday night. That's what fun is. Right. And like, yeah. And paying like a thousand dollars for the bottle that you're drinking. Right. And it's like, I, I see it as like, it's not no one's fault because it's right. We're so conditioned. Like this is a rite of passage. You know, you said you went through it too in college and, and then like we form these habits that are sometimes locked then for the rest of our lives. Like what a brilliant marketing strategy to hook people when they're so young and then just have repeat customers for the rest of their lives, buying this product for like no real reason. Right. And, and that's one of the things I love to work with clients on in my programs is like, we've, we've come to associate in our minds, all these reasons why we think we like to enjoy drinking or alcohol. And oftentimes these are these beliefs or these neuro associations that we've placed onto a drink. Now, I really do believe there's nothing more to this than a glass, than a beverage in a glass, right. A toxic one at that. And yet as a society, we've put so much more meaning behind it, right? We, we think that alcohol makes you more glamorous or sophisticated. If you're drinking a nice glass of wine on, you know, a porch at sunset, we think that it like enables you to belong and be cool with a group of people when you're out with like your friends. We think it relaxes you at the end of the day after a long day at work. None of these things are like the actual biological, physical qualities of alcohol whatsoever. It's what society's put on it. I mean, just our example before how you shared is like most people drink because they think alcohol relaxes them. It doesn't. It heightens your stress hormones and you have more cortisol racing through your body. They once did this science experiment where they put these like brain nodes on people who just left off work so that where they are able to measure their brain waves. And everyone just got off a long day. So their brain waves are pretty chaotic, pretty, you know, stressed out. And everyone sat down at a bar or restaurant and ordered a drink. Now, all of a sudden, the brain waves relax. But here's the kicker. Nobody actually drank the drink yet. They just put in the order with the wait staff. 
And so it goes to show that like our brain relaxes at the anticipation of a reward and the anticipation of finally getting permission to turn off alcohol kind of, you know, especially when you're go, 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 and you're super productive and working all day, alcohol becomes that like, oh, hey, it's okay to turn off. We don't have to answer any more emails. It's become a ritual in that sense. And I do think that the ritual in a way is kind of beautiful, like to actually have a point in your day where you're like, we're done. We can, you know, relax. We can like not work anymore. Um, but like ethanol itself is not doing that trick, you know, and there's so many other alternatives, whether they're teas or other alcohol-free beverages or mocktails that we can still use to ritualize the way we have with alcohol. Um, but it kind of disattached some of that meaning we put onto ethanol itself as helping us do any of those things. Wow. And you're right in so many aspects. One of them, it's, it's interesting because as you say, this alcohol makes us feel glamorous, like we're doing something glamorous. And we really are in an age also where influencers and celebrities have a huge influence on how we buy and how we act and what we do. And you see now so many celebrities coming out with their own tequilas. We have like Kendall Jenner, JLo just came out with, I think, a tequila. And it's really fascinating, right? Because these are moguls, like they literally their, their job is to create products for us to buy and they make a lot of money from it. And you it's really so ironic about that is JLo doesn't drink. She doesn't, right? She wants she to keep her skin nice and young and she knows that alcohol is not good for that. <laughs> Absolutely. And yet here she is promoting this drink, right? So it is interesting and it does also make you question like, where is the integrity right behind this? But also thinking of, where, who are we letting decide what we do when it comes to our well-being, right? It's one thing if we're using something that does no harm, but I would say a lot of the things that we're influenced to buy actually do harm. They do harm on the environment. They do harm on our health. They do harm on really our whole entire lifestyle when we're talking about alcohol. So it is really fascinating to think about it from that perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I think that the people who start to just question again, the questioning doesn't have to lead to like a lifelong decision. It's just a start of like, wait a minute, do I really enjoy this? What it would it look like if I took a break? How would I feel? What if I felt better? You know, how have I been sold this kind of marketing? Like lie, I think this is the most intuitive people in the world because intuition means asking yourself what is most aligned for you, not basing on what other people are doing. And I think in like the core of that, we know that that's true for our lives. And it's for some reason, it feels so hard with alcohol because it really has just become such a status symbol in our society. And so it's really brave to ask yourself those deeper questions if it's serving you or not. And, you know, start experimenting without it, taking breaks without it, going alcohol free because you're choosing yourself first. You're choosing your well-being, your health, your, you know, dreams. I mean, like, yes, obviously there's so much that can come physically from not drinking and mentally, but for me too, like it gave me the confidence to achieve so much that I wanted to achieve that I was too scared to go after when I was still drinking. And I'm not the only one. I have so many clients who have gone on to launch their own businesses or start nonprofits or move across the world because they've always wanted to. Like, it's just this huge shift in identity and, and no longer looking for like that quick hit of 
um, immediate gratification, but more so like processing and feeling your emotions that you were trying to like numb through and really learning about like what they're telling you, what you really want. You know, if like you're always stressed after work and you just come home and you're like, oh, I hate this so much. I, I want to drink, you know, you can, you can numb that pain and that like stress over and over and over until you die. Right. But what if we felt it instead? What if we feel it and we're like, wait a minute, like, is this position really serving me? Maybe I should talk with my boss. Maybe I should apply for a different job. Maybe I should do, finally go out on my own. Like we can actually listen to the emotions that are coming out from us and get the confidence that we need that to know that our intuition is always pointing us in the right direction. And it's not scary to listen to that little voice, you know, because I think for so long, I heard that little voice every Monday morning, but I was terrified at what she was asking me to do. Wait, what? You want me to stop drinking? That's insane. You know, until I listen and literally everything I've ever wanted has opened up as a result of that. Mm. And so there's probably a lot of people out there who are like, oh, maybe this is something I want to explore, but there may be things that feel challenging about it. So one of those things may be, well, it's always been in my family. It's a very cultural thing. It's something that my partner and I do together. So how do we begin to kind of break off on our own when it feels like it's been part of our identity for so long? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's kind of twofold because, you know, you have the like habit or the pattern at home that's kind of more personal. And then you have like the social element that's like kind of expected on you, right, from other people. And so recognizing that like at home, like it is a habit, you know, like if you've been, it's not like any one of us has ever drank like less than a handful of times. Like most people who are regular drinkers have now been doing it thousands of times, right? Like think about how just powerful any habit would be on your brain if you repeated the same action thousands and thousands of times. And so essentially we've taught our brains that when we have a certain cue, it could be like going out to a restaurant or coming home at 5 p.m. or it being a Friday night, our brain now expects a little reward, right? So it's going to be really good to hack your habit cue and to at home when you're first experimenting with a break, give yourself similar rewards so that you're not feeling deprived. I think one of the worst things we can do when wanting to change our relationship with alcohol is to just white knuckle it, willpower, just say, I'm not going to drink and just kind of, you know, we really want to continue rewarding ourselves so that we don't feel deprived. I think again, mocktails are really great like this and such. Then there's that second layer of also looking into what our fundamental beliefs are around alcohol and changing them. Because when you change those at a subconscious level, you actually stop desiring it. And that's the core of it. You know, like we don't want to deprive people or tell them they can't drink. Like, what if we all arrive at that point where I just don't want to drink? You know what I mean? So that's really important work to do too. Then socially, it's kind of another like thing going on because then we have that social expectation and that conditioning. You know, when you look at like family, for example, like, I think sometimes we have to put alcohol back in its place, you know, like it's just a beverage. And if like, we went to a party and you got a lemonade and I got a Dr. Pepper, like, would we fight because we have different beverages in our cup? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Right. And yet we do that about alcohol, you know? So sometimes the same way that we could have strength to say like, Hey, you know what? My family all eats meat, but I like my vegetarian lifestyle and I'm going to do it because it's best for me. 
it's like, it's just food, right? Like no one gets to tell me what feels good for my body. Right. And I think we need to kind of stand up for ourselves in the same way with alcohol, right? Like it's just a beverage. It shouldn't matter what beverage I ultimately choose at this social event. And I'm going to decide to do what's right by me, even if it's kind of changing that expectation. Now, some people might be threatened by it or like not okay with it. And that's honestly a huge red flag on them. They have their own insecurities about alcohol themselves, and it makes them super uncomfortable to be around someone who's kind of trying to shake that up, right? So that's just gives them a mirror to like work on their own work. Now, when it comes to like a partner too, that you're just, you, this is a common, you know, activity you guys have together. You know, I think first of all, just telling their partner that you're wanting to experimenting with a break and, and getting their support can be a really easy kind of a breadcrumb strategy where you're not like, hey, we're never going to drink ever again together. Put this away forever. And then what I ended up doing with my partner was just telling him how much better I felt. Just these little breadcrumbs of like, oh my gosh, I slept so well last night. Oh my gosh, I feel so amazing today. I can't wait to do this hike with you. I love that I'm not drinking. So that by the time that you might be ready to like not go back to alcohol, they're not surprised. They've been seeing you what's really making you happy and they can kind of get it. I think it's also really important with our partners to like not leave them behind. You know, if like drinking is a way that you bond or just have date night, it's really important to find new ways to spend quality time together. So for example, my husband and I signed up for a half marathon and we started taking our date nights literally outside running together on Friday nights. And it was such a cool way to like bond and do something in a way that we've never done before. We started playing board games. We started traveling more and it actually strengthened our relationship so much and eventually influenced his drinking habits to the point where he barely drinks as well too. You know, so I think it's like back to like really listening to your intuition. You can't live your life doing what other people will want you to do because you'll never be happy and it's not even going to pan out anyway. You know what I mean? You're just going to come to resent. It's not bringing you closer to anyone. You're just going to come to resent the person who's holding you back. Um, so there's a lot of mindset work that needs to be done to just kind of like affirm, you know, and not feel embarrassed about your choice not to drink. But it's so empowering too, because the courage you get from going alcohol-free doesn't just live in that little bubble. You know, I think it does take courage to order a mocktail at a bar or tell a friend that you're not drinking. That's the same courage that you're going to need later on when you're doing the next big thing in your life. You know, that's kind of going outside the grain too. Mm. Wow. And so the thing that comes up for me is there are a lot of, I would say, let's say older people who maybe they are retired, right? And they're, they're maybe a little bit bored, or maybe that's the only way that they have socialized for many, many years. And let's say they go out and they go get wine and that's their way of bonding. What would be a good way to approach that if, if they wanted to go alcohol free? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, it's not the what's in our glass that's bonding us. So again, if we take a little bit of the meaning out of alcohol and we really recognize that sitting down and having a dinner with your friends is what's entertaining and talking to them and being present with them, you know, who cares what's in the glass? Order a fancy mocktail, order something else, and you'll have the same experience. And just as you mentioned, like about your club experience, like the more we drink, the less connected we are, you know, like you start repeating yourself, you start just being super insular. I know me, even after just a drink or two, I'd be like, oh, where's the waiter? I think I might want to, or, you know, like I wasn't paying attention. I think what we're really looking after is true connection. And that can really be delivered when you're alcohol free. I have this one client, for example, who, you know, was married for maybe five or 10 years at that point. And she never really had a heart to heart yet with her father-in-law. 
And one night they both just, she's already not drinking and he decides to join her that night because he gets inspired by her. And he kind of starts opening up about his experience in the Vietnam War and just telling her all these stories. She'd never gotten that close to him before, you know, when they just met up all the time and were just drinking as a family. So like the, the belief that alcohol bonds us and brings us closer to people, I think is a myth and a falsity. And we can really see that that's not what's really bonding us, right? It's the human to human connection. We're able to listen and ask so much deeper questions when we're really present without, you know, kind of alcohol cacophony in our brain. And again, if it's just the symbol of sitting down and get drinks or like happy hour, like you can still have the same occasions, just a different drink in your glass. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you can't have those rituals or that you can't go out and meet with your friends and stuff. And I really, really love it when I have clients who like experience it alcohol free and they like it so much better. They're like, I can go out and hang out with my friends and have a good time and laugh harder than I've ever laughed, right? Alcohol just numbs our senses. Like we cannot feel the full breath of experience when we're drinking. And then they wake up the next morning feeling amazing and go on a run. Like it's like you get to have your cake and eat it too, you know? So again, it's just kind of a huge mindset shift to see it differently and to try it differently. And it might be, you know, even better than you expected. Now, again, if you have friends who are like not accepting of you and just like really are bothering you about it, it again, is a big clue that they're probably insecure about their relationship with alcohol and or I mean, if that's the only thing you guys have in common, if drinking is the only thing literally you have in common, then it might have a little bit of other red flags, too, that that's might not be the most aligned relationship for you. But I always tell my clients, like, ask your friends to go out for coffee in the morning. Ask them to go on a hike with you or a yoga class. I bet you're going to find that you guys can open up so much better and have such a good time. And it doesn't always have to revolve around alcohol. Mm. Yeah. And what are some alternatives to, you said like mocktails, what are some ideas for people who have a ritual in the evenings of having dinner and a glass of wine? Great question. So uh, these days, there's probably like five new companies that come up every month. There's so many alcohol-free alternatives. Now you have like direct replacements. So there's companies that make really amazing craft alcohol-free beers. They taste almost exactly the same. Alcohol-free wines are coming up now too, alcohol-free spirits. And then you have these category of drinks that aren't even trying to be alcohol. There's these kind of mocktails that, you know, maybe have uh, nootropics or adaptogens added into them. You know, Can You Forks is a really good example where it's kind of like this new fun, fancy beverage that you get to try. I mean, then there's the whole world of like all the health elixirs, all the kombuchas, all the like matcha mushroom elixirs, you know, like if you were to just go to any health food store, you could find thousands of drinks that don't have alcohol in them. And it can be really fun to experiment because when you're so used to the same kind of drink with it, whether it's alcoholic, when you kind of open this world, you really have all these new things to try. There's always a newcomer on the market and, you know, you can really have a lot of fun experimenting and people get really, it's like a new hobby that they find, if that makes sense. You know, I always tell people, find a drink you love. And if you try something, you don't like it, like keep experimenting until you find something you really love. Ultimately, a lot of times when we're not looking at some deeper, deeper rooted seated issues like underneath alcohol is a treat alcohol is this special pampering thing that we give ourselves at the end of a hard day or you know on the weekend or so and our brain sees it as a treat and so you don't want to take away the treat right you just want to change the treat yeah I love that yeah because for a lot of people it's like this is my thing this is the thing I get you know this is the thing I look forward to all day And so there can be so many other options when it comes to looking forward to something 
yummy and it doesn't have to be something unhealthy. It can be something healthy. There's so many options these days. So one of the things that can come up for people is like, well, why don't I just drink less? So what's the difference? Why would someone want to stop alcohol instead of just drinking less? Yeah. I think any level of awareness is so healthy and smart. You know what I mean? And for some people like that could be the first step. And I think it often does start as a first step of like, okay, obviously these six drinks gave me a huge migraine the next day. I never want to do that again. Right. So I think in, in essence, we all have that kind of mantra of like, okay, just drink less, drink less, don't drink that much, you know? Um, the thing that I really found frustrating with my own personal experience is that it created a whole other problem because then I was always like debating, you know what I mean? It was always this mental gymnastics I was going through. So I had all these rules. Okay. Carolina, no more than two drinks, no drinking before 7 PM, never have an IPA, like all this just crap, like flooding in my brain. And there was always a debate, you know, it was like, should I drink tonight? Should I not? Well, I was invited out with my friends. Yeah, but you have that presentation in the morning. Okay, we'll just have one drink, but you never have, you know, it was like this monkey mind that wouldn't stop. And it, it felt like it really robbed my freedom. It was like the preoccupation with how much and when and where I'm going to drink alcohol took so much mental energy and brain space that when I found that I took a break, one, not only did it clear all of that debating. And it was just so nice to just have decided that like, that's just, I'm not entertaining that for now. And I get to all this mental energy to use on what I really like doing my creativity, writing in my journal, exploring new hobbies, all this beautiful stuff. But two, also there's so many incredible changes that happen in the body on a really fundamental, even cellular level, when you completely remove alcohol. Um, for example, like when we were talking about those stress hormones earlier, Alcohol can be metabolized. It depends on how old you are, but it's anywhere from like an hour to 48 hours. It depends again, how old you are. So thirties, forties, it's going to be way longer than just an hour. Um, but those stress hormones that are released when we drink alcohol, they last in our body for up to two weeks. So wow. even when we drink like on a Sunday and then we don't drink again all week until the next Sunday, like that's still affecting how your body feels all week. And so what's really cool, I think with a break is it's really great to just clear all of that uh, effects of alcohol in your body, which can even take up to four to six weeks, especially with those neurotransmitters rebalancing. And you're going to find your sleep improves so much. Your energy levels go up. Your happiness levels goes up. I mean, even one glass of wine has been proven to lower our REM sleep cycles down from five to six that they're normally at to one or two. So even when we mm -hmm. clock in eight hours of sleep, we're not getting that REM sleep with just a little bit of alcohol in our system. So a break can really help you see how much how you really feel essentially, right? How you truly really feel as a human on this planet without alcohol. And then what I suggest to people is like, once you take a break and you know, you've experimented with that, you're more than free to reintroduce alcohol if that's what you decide to do, you know what I mean? And a lot of people end up drinking less at that point, right? So it's kind of sometimes easier to start with like a clean break and then start drinking less. Otherwise it's like, it's kind of hard to change the habit you know, um, just kind of from the get-go. And I mean, for me, I just, I felt like I always broke a rule, whatever rule there was, you know, and there was, that rule was broken. Then I feel the shame of breaking that rule. And it's just like, I never found that trust in myself. And it kind of was this game that I kept letting myself down over and over again. So I hope that answers the question, like from my personal standpoint, but again, I just want to be really open that like any level of deciding to do things differently with alcohol is really amazing too. Mm, I love it so much. Oh my gosh. So 
On the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, we ask all of our guests three questions. And the first question is, what is your definition of beauty? Mm, Radiance. And I think radiance means feeling really good in your skin, liking how you feel and look. Um, And, you know, again, if we're going to be talking about alcohol, like there's just such a difference between the way people even look with drinking versus not drinking, you know, it breaks down your collagen. Um, But like, I've seen so many before and after photos and the after photos just have this radiance to them. And I'm almost convinced that at least half the reason why pregnant women glow is because they're not drinking. (laughs) That is a good point. (laughs) Second question is what is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip? for our listeners. Mm. I think journaling in the morning really helps me connect with something deeper inside of myself, kind of like an inner cheerleader that I have. Um, It's so easy to get swept up in so much doubt, so many fears, so many insecurities. But when I think we connect with something bigger, um, we can be kind of assured in the bigger sense of faith and vision that you know, we don't have to worry about all that petty stuff. We're here for a bigger reason. And that can make me feel a lot more confident with the way I look and the way I kind of present myself with the world. Mm. And last question, where can people find you? Awesome. Well, if you're interested in learning more about what a break could do for you and the mind, body, soul approach of taking one, uh, check out my book, Euphoric. You can find it in all retailers. Just look it up in Amazon or go to euphoricbook.com. And then if you're interested in uh, working with me in any of my programs, learning more about me, I host retreats for women as well, certification programs, a lot of fun stuff. You can go to euphoricaf.com. And then I'm also active on Instagram at euphoric.af. Amazing. Thank you so much, Carolina. This was such a great conversation. I can't wait to share it. Oh, thank you, Dora. It's such a pleasure being here. 